Lord, I pray that you'd meet us now in your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, and it's a light to our path. Thank you for giving us the scriptures written by men who you gave them the words to write. You gave them the truth to write. And thank you for the word of God, Lord. Meet us in it today. Help me as I preach for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Zach. Junior hires. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for praying with us. I often find myself um, in uh, like a Starbucks or or in airports or you know in airplanes or just you know if you're if you're in lines and you hear people talking maybe on their cell phones or whatever and I try not to eavesdrop okay but but you know just so often the time you just you hear these conversations and and uh, I think it's probably true for all of us but I mean how many times have you overheard a conversation and and as you listened you heard that what they were talking about is they, they were talking really critically negatively derogatorily about like their husband their wife their kids their parents their boss their employers their neighbors their employees right i mean i it's just so common to hear conversations like that and it's not just that we hear this from other people we hear this from our own mouths right i mean i would guess that this last week every single one of us in this room has had at least one conversation where you were really speaking in a very negative, condemnatory, derogatory way about somebody either directly to them or behind their back about them. It's just something that, that we all, just, I mean, it's part of our culture, we just naturally fall into that. And, and yet, isn't it true that like deep down inside, we all feel like, you know, that's, it's wrong. It's wrong to do that. Let me give you an example. I mean, can you imagine Jesus and John talking in a real derogatory, condemning, negative way about maybe Peter. I mean, let's just, let's just kind of play this out in your mind. Let's say that John starts off and he says, man, Jesus, you know, Peter, he's just so brash. He's just so, like, out there. I remember that time when you were telling us that you're going to the cross, and remember Peter took you aside and, like, scolded you? I mean, it's, like, unbelievable. Okay, then can you imagine Jesus saying, for sure, I mean, really, I mean, remember then, remember John, what he said then? Like he was saying, I'm not going to follow you the whole rest of the way. And next thing you know, he's denying me three times. I mean, incredible. Now, can you imagine Jesus talking that way? You can't. He would not talk that way. But we talk that way. And this morning, James wants to encourage us to stop talking that way. Let's turn to James chapter 4. See what James has to say. I've been hearing from people about, man, James, like every week, is just like, bam, bam, bam. Well, that's what James does. He's a type A personality, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. But, but God gives him powerful truths to write here in James. And so if you want to turn to James 4, if you need a Bible, yeah, we like to pass them out. We're passionate about studying the scriptures here at Mercy Hill Church. So we want you to have a copy the important thing to listen to this morning isn't so much me, but it's what James says. I'm just trying to explain what James says so you can see what James says and more importantly what God says through James. It's page 1013 in the Bibles we're just passing out now. James chapter 4. Two verses today, verses 11 and 12. Two little verses which pack a big, big punch and deal with a huge topic Look at what James says, James 4, 11 through 12. He says, Do not speak evil 
against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. That's God, obviously. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, so what's James telling us not to do here in this passage? There's two different phrases that he used to describe this. The the first he uses is he he says in verse 11, not to speak evil against others. And, And that Greek word just simply has to do with speaking in a negative way, speaking in a condemning sort of way, speaking of someone's shortcomings. We're not supposed to do that. That's the first phrase he uses. Don't speak evil against others. And the second phrase, he says, don't judge others. Right there in verse 11, do you see that? So don't speak evil and then don't judge. Okay, now that phrase, don't judge, that's a little bit more tricky. Um, we know Jesus said, don't judge, and everybody knows that Jesus said that, but a lot of people don't understand what he he meant by that, because you can think what that means is we're not supposed to like make any moral uh, evaluation. We should make no moral evaluations of people, but that's not true. The Bible, all through the scriptures, we're called to make moral evaluations. Like just, I mean, think of an example. Obviously, let's say somebody walks up to you and says, "Hey, I'm going to kill my my neighbor." Now, are you supposed to say, "Okay, I'm not supposed to judge," so like, well, well, you know, whatever? No, I mean, so we're called to make moral evaluations. So the command against judging is not don't make moral evaluations. It's don't make personal devaluations. Okay, that's different, okay? So it's right for us to see what someone else is doing and humbly, because, because we see that what they're doing is against the scriptures, and humbly, maybe with tears, say, that's not right. It's not the right thing to do. Okay, that's, that's the right thing. That's what we're called to do, make moral evaluations. That's not judging. Judging is when we say to someone, what you're doing is not right. And because of that, you're a jerk. That's judging. It's like speaking condemnatory. It's it's not just a moral evaluation. It's a personal devaluation of the person. We're condemning them. You're an idiot for doing that. That's what we're not supposed to do. Okay, so here's what James is saying. We're not supposed to speak evil of each each other. We're not supposed to judge each other. And so generally speaking, what that means is we should not speak evil negatively about others. Generally speaking. Now the reason I use the phrase generally speaking is because in the scriptures there's three settings in which we we can and sometimes should speak negatively. So I want to make sure you get these down so we're not confused here. There's three, maybe you call them exceptions. First, we can speak negatively to someone if it's to them privately Humbly, lovingly, carefully, with the motive of helping them with their shortcoming. Okay, look, turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. This is page 823 in the Bibles we passed out. Matthew 18, 15. So I want to show you three times in which it's appropriate for us to speak negatively, to speak about someone's shortcomings. And one time in which it's right is when we speak directly to them privately, lovingly, humbly. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew 18, 15. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults 
So you're speaking to him about his fault, his shortcoming. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he's owned him and said, oh, you're right, I did wrong, I'm sorry, I'm going to change. So notice it's between you and him alone. Okay, so if you see some fault, some area of sin in a friend, or maybe in your husband, or in your wife, or someone in your home group, okay, out of love, out of care for this person, Jesus would call you to go to him or her privately. No one else needs to hear anything. Humbly, lovingly, and ask them about it in order to help them. Okay, so this is a situation in which it is, it's appropriate. Jesus calls you out of love to go and, and, and help someone see their fault. So we all see that this is one exception. We got this one down? Okay, second exceptions, we can speak negatively about someone to others if it's done carefully, lovingly, humbly, so that they can help us help the one with the shortcoming. Look at the next two verses in Matthew 18. If he does not listen, so you go alone to the person and he, he doesn't respond, blows you off. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses, so they can back you up. It's not just your personal gripe against this person, but they can say, no, we, we, we agree. You need, you need to work on this here. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. He shows he's not, he's not following Jesus. So reach out to him in love as somebody who doesn't know Jesus and say, please come back to the Lord. Look at who he is. Look at his love for you. Okay, so I put in three words. This has got to be done carefully. If you're going to talk to somebody else in order to, so that they can help you help another person, speak carefully. Minimize the details. Don't go into you know, a, lot of, a lot of the specifics about it. The bare minimum to protect this person. So like, if you're sharing a prayer request maybe about your boss, okay, don't let that be an excuse just like to vent. And then he did this and he did this. He's just an idiot. You know? Just say, you know, pray for me with my boss. Okay? It needs to be done lovingly. So you're motivated by a desire to help the person. You've got to really check your heart. Is that really why you're talking? Is it to help the person? Okay, it's got to be lovingly. It's got to be done humbly. Okay, we're sinners too. right? We've got shortcomings too. We've got blind spots too. We need God's grace just as much, if not more, than anybody else. So it's got to be humbly. We're not above anybody else. So that's another case in which it's right for us to speak negatively, to speak about somebody's fault to someone else so they can help us help them. Does that make sense? Okay, then there's one other circumstance in which it might be right. And that is if it's necessary to warn someone else about the person with the shortcoming. Look at Matthew 16, just two chapters back. Matthew 16, verse 6. This is page 822. Here's what Jesus does. He, he does this in warning his disciples about the Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew 16, 6. Jesus said to them, his disciples, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what's the leaven he's warning them about? Look down at verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So here Jesus is warning his disciples about the false teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So here Jesus is speaking about a shortcoming of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he's speaking to his disciples about these other people, about their shortcoming. But his point is to warn his disciples. 
as you read, especially I think in, in the first and second Timothy and Titus, you can find places where Paul warns Titus, warns Timothy about specific other people who are like false teachers or, or um, divisive people by name. He names some of them. So he's, he's warning. So there may be times where out of love, you need to warn someone else about somebody else's shortcoming. And you want to do that very carefully, guarding your heart, making sure it's out of love, keeping the details to a minimum, and making sure you're saying it from a humble heart because you're a sinner too, with shortcomings too. Okay, so there's three times, I think, where it's right for us to speak negatively about someone, critically about someone, three times. If it's to them, privately, carefully, lovingly, humbly to help them. Or if it's to someone else, carefully, humbly, lovingly, so they can help you help the person with the shortcoming. Or if it's to warn others about the person with the shortcoming. That's when we can. That's the only time we should speak negatively or critically of someone else. Which just blows me away because I'm so prone to do this and I think we all are. I mean, this is just part of our culture. I think most of the conversations I overhear is people ragging on somebody else. It's just so common and, and many of us have grown up in families where that's just what's the conversation all the time was negative about people and this person, this person and we just go, that's just what you talk about. It's really interesting. It's kind of fun, you know, to rag on people and so we just have that as our habit pattern. It's just ingrained in us. But so James just blows us away. He says, no, do not speak evil against others. Don't judge. Don't personally devalue others. Don't do that. And it's just so easy for us to do. I mean, your son doesn't clean his room and you're infuriated again. And so you go to him and you let it, let a rip about how it just, he's cleaned his room and then you throw in that he's worthless and he's just not going anywhere and, James says, don't do that. That's absolutely wrong. Or someone in your home group, maybe they're just kind of flaky. You know, they keep saying they're going to do stuff and they don't show up or they show up late or whatever. And, and you're talking to somebody else in your home group about them, you know, and they're just kind of flaky. And then, you know, besides being flaky, I mean, they say really dorky things sometimes. Have you noticed that, you know? And don't do that. Do not speak evil against someone, James says. <laughs> Or how often do you find yourself talking to other people about your wife or about your husband? About how they spend too much or they don't work hard enough or they're, they're insensitive. That's speaking evil against them. Do not do that. So do you have a feel at this point of like, I can kind of tell we're all like, uh, because we do that a lot, don't we? I mean, I tell you, just to my shame, that's just, it's just something, I don't know where it came from. Well, sin, sin nature. Okay, we all know where it came from. But it's just a flow. It's just, and it's just really easy to go there. Really easy to go there. Okay, so we got to get in touch with why this is so serious because we just kind of blow it off like it's nothing. Everybody does it, right? So why is it so serious to speak evil against others? And in this passage, James gives us two reasons that are amazing. Now let me just encourage you, when you study the scriptures, I've said this before, I will say it again, I'm going to say it right now too, don't just focus on on what we're commanded to do. That's really important to focus on. But focus also on why we're commanded to do it. 
Focus on the reasons why. And James here gives us some reasons that I, I bet you you've never thought of and I've not thought about them very deeply. The first reason he says is because when you speak evil of others, about the person in your home group or ragging on your son or speaking poorly about your wife, when you speak evil of others, you're speaking evil of God's law. Look at verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Okay, so when you speak evil of others, as you're ragging on your son or slandering your wife, you at that moment, although you don't think you are, you're speaking evil against God's word. Now why? Well, it's because God's word tells us not to speak evil. Let me give you some examples from the Old Testament law. Look at Leviticus 19.16. Do some Old Testament work this morning. That's page 98, way back to the left in the Bibles we passed out. Look at Leviticus 19.16. I want you to see that God, in his word, way back with the law of Israel, told them, don't be speaking evil of each other. Look at Leviticus 19.16. Y'all got that? Way back. Have you read Leviticus lately? It's a powerful book. Okay, It's got some parts that are hard to understand, but... It's part of the scriptures. Leviticus 19.16. Look at what God says. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. Now, I think standing up against the life of your neighbor, I checked out the Hebrew on that. What that means is don't murder. Okay, If you you look at some of the ways that phrase is used. But look at the first phrase. I want to focus on that. Do not go around as a slanderer among the people. Now, slander... The Hebrew word is not just speaking a false accusation against someone. It also includes speaking what might be a true criticism of someone. Okay? Not just a false accusation, but a true criticism are both encompassed by that Hebrew word slander. And so back in Leviticus 19.16, don't go around speaking critically about people. Okay? Now, there's people where it's like, if you don't speak critically, like, what what else is there to talk about? But here in the Old Testament, don't do that, okay? So God's word has said, don't do that. Now, look also, this is an amazing text, Proverbs 17.9. I've been working on on, uh, memorizing this one because I I need it. Uh, Page 540 in the Bibles we just passed out, Proverbs 17.9. This is a very powerful statement. says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Now, what's being talked about here isn't you covering up your own personal sin. It's if somebody offends you, if somebody hurts you, if somebody harms you in some way. This is being talked about. So somebody harms you, somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, and what you do is you cover that offense. You don't talk to the people about it. You just... Mums the word. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter tells all your friends about what this person did to you, separates close friends. Isn't that an amazing statement? I mean, when somebody hurts you, what is the first thing you want to do? You know what they did? Right? Or email or tweet or whatever it might be, okay? 
But if a brother offends you, then the path of love would be to cover that offense, to not tell others about it unless it's absolutely necessary. And it might be. We've already we talked about three possible reasons why you might want to talk about it. But the path of love means you, you want to cover the offense because if you go around ragging on other people, it harms that person in the other person's eyes. It can tear the fabric of the body of Christ apart. When you speak poorly of someone else in front of another person, that person's defamed in that person's eyes. And so Proverbs 17.9 says, the path of love, if you want to seek love and the unity of the Spirit, your default mode will be, I'd rather not talk about another person's faults. Is that your default mode? I'd rather not talk about what they did to me because because I could separate close friends. Okay, so Leviticus and Proverbs both say don't speak evil of others. And then Jesus puts it very powerfully in Matthew 5. Look at Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Jesus explains God's law to us. What the Old Testament law means to us now that he's come. And this is an amazing passage, very convicting. Matthew 5, 21 through 22. Jesus is so radical, so powerful. This blows our minds with how he tells us to live. Verse 21, Matthew 5, 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. I get this next one. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. When was the last time you called a driver an idiot? (laughs) This is an amazing statement. So God's law, God's word tells us, don't speak evil of others. That's what the word of God says, okay? Now, this is God's word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This is the very words of creator God. And because we love God, we love God's words. I mean, when when I was in Santa Barbara during the summer, I was a UCSB and during the summer I'd stay there. Jan would come up here and live in Concord, which is her home, and and she'd write me letters, okay? And those letters were Jan's words, They were Jan's words. And because I loved Jan, I loved those letters. Because those were her words. Jan's words. It's not like, well, you just love those letters. Why don't you love Jan? I do love Jan. That's why I love the letters. These are her words. This is Jan's words. If you love God, you can love God's words. Okay? This is the book that God uses to strengthen us, to guide us, to deliver us to comfort us. We meet Jesus in the pages of the scripture. We love the scriptures. But when you speak evil of another person, somebody in your home group, your boss, your employee, your child, while you're speaking that evil, you're also standing up and saying, this book is a lie. It's wrong. Don't buy it. It's evil. Stay away from it. That's what you're saying. Do you start to feel some level of the of the seriousness. Now, and if that's what you're saying about the Bible, if you're, if you're speaking evil of the Bible in your heart, if you're judging the Bible, putting it down in your heart, then you're a judge of it and you're not a doer of it. Right? 
And do you remember the, the serious warning, I think maybe with tears, that James gave us in chapter 2 about what happens if we're not doers of the law? Not that we've got to do it perfectly because none of us do. But if we're not growing in doing God's word, then that would show that we're not trusting Jesus. Bottom line. And if we're not trusting Jesus, then we are in serious trouble. Because the only way we get saved from our sins is to trust Jesus. So do you see, can you get a little bit of a feel of why speaking evil of others is so serious? It's because we're, we're speaking evil of God's word, which shows we're not being doers, which shows we're not trusting Jesus. At that moment, unless something changes, that's going to be really serious. You feel that? There's another reason now he gives us for why this is so serious. It's that when we speak evil of others, we deny our own sinfulness. Look at verse 12. He says, There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Remember, judge here doesn't mean moral evaluation. Judge here means personal devaluation. So judging is not just thinking, it's wrong that he's left his wife. It's it's wrong. that's, That's an appropriate thing to think. Judging is where you think, it's wrong that he left his wife. I'm an idiot for doing that. See, it's that, it's that condemning thing. It's that personal devaluation thing. So why is that judging thing? That He's an idiot. Why is that wrong? Here's why. It's because when I'm saying that that guy's an idiot, at that moment, I'm thinking, he's an idiot, and I'm thinking also, I'm not. Right? I'm not saying, we're all idiots. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. That's no fun to say. Okay, what I'm saying is, he's an idiot. It's much more fun to say that. So I'm thinking, he's an idiot and I'm not. But you know, the truth is, I am too. And you didn't come here to hear this maybe, but you are too. Okay, because we're all sinners against God. We've sinned against God. Jonathan Edwards says that we all know our own sin vastly more than we know of anybody else's. Okay, the little sin I see in you, compared to what I know of me, yours is nothing. If I saw your heart, you'd be about the same probably, okay? But I don't see your heart, I see, I see mine. But so if I'm calling you an idiot, then I'm saying that I'm not. And at the moment that I'm saying I'm not, I'm judging you, I'm thinking I've got, the moral, I've got a moral platform I can stand on to call you an idiot. So I'm thinking, you're an idiot, I'm not. You're really sinful and bad. I'm thinking, I'm not. Right? That's what's going on in your mind when you're calling out somebody in that way. And if you're thinking you're not a sinner, then what that means is you're not relying on Jesus at that moment. You're not trusting him. If you're you're thinking you're not a sinner, you're not trusting him to forgive you, and if you're not trusting Jesus, where does that leave you? Okay, now, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. The glorious truth of the gospel is that because of Jesus, we sinners can be saved. Saved. I mean, Jesus has changed my heart. My heart is profoundly different than it was back in 1972, okay, when I was saved. And it's been growing in being changed, but I mean, at that point, decisive change. He has saved us gloriously. He has saved us amazingly through his death on the cross, paying for our sins, changing hearts. He saved us in a leap for joy kind of saving. We are saved, but we never stop being saved Sinners, who we are in ourselves is always going to be 
saved sinners. That's who I am in myself. And so our, our, our proper posture is always to be like on our knees before the cross. So just do a little experiment in your mind. Let's say that you're, you're on your knees before the cross, literally, figuratively, and you're acknowledging I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Jesus, I trust you. You've forgiven me. You love me. You care for me. Forgive me. I deserved hell, and you have forgiven me. And here I am before the cross, thanking you and praising you. Now, when you're in that mode, can you call someone else an idiot? It is psychologically impossible to condemn someone at that point when you're at the foot of the cross in that way. You cannot do it. Can you? Which shows that when you are calling somebody an idiot, you're not at the foot of the cross. Where are you? You were there. You've wandered away somewhere. So see, when we judge people with personal devaluation, putting them down, you're an idiot, you're a jerk, that person's... You're thinking that you're elevated. You're thinking you're not. You're thinking you're not a sinner. You're not at the foot of the cross anymore. Do you see how serious that is? So we're, we're speaking evil against God's law and we're denying our own sinfulness. That's why this is just so serious, to speak evil against others. James doesn't pull any punches, does he? I think James was thinking, Lord, I want to give the strongest reasons I possibly can to persuade them not to do this. And the Holy Spirit said, tell them this. He said, whoa, are you sure? Yes, okay. And he wrote it down. These are the reasons. Okay, so what can I do to change? Do you want to change at this point? Is there a longing in you? Oh, Lord. If I could speak well of people and have my default mode not to talk about people's shortcomings. Only if I, if I need to in the path of love, but otherwise not to. Oh, Lord, I mean, wouldn't you love to have a heart that moved in that road? Got some good news. You can. See, this is awesome. This, I mean, some of you have got a habit of talking negatively and critically about people that's been there for years, and you think it's just impossible, nothing's going to change. Listen, Jesus Christ's death on the cross can change that area that you're feeling maybe hopeless about right now. It's not like you, well, if, if, okay, if I can have enough willpower, I'm, I'm going to really work on it this week. That's the path of death. Okay, that will never do it, but if, if you'll just come before the Lord Jesus and say, help me. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, first step, five steps. See how serious this is. You've you got to see this is eternally significant serious. To continue in the path of speaking evil of others is to continue in the path of saying that God's word is a sham, and I'm not a sinner. That's not the path of salvation. It's the wrong path. So see how serious this is. Second, pray for Jesus' help. <laughs> Listen, apart from Jesus' power, you will not be able to change in this area. Let's just be really clear here. Apart from Jesus' help, you're hopeless. I'm hopeless. Okay, we can't change apart from his help. But with him... His power, He will change us. He will change us. And so ask Him for help. Make this a matter of earnest prayer. Jesus, would you change me? There's that, I think it's Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Pray that prayer. The psalmist prayed that prayer. That's the kind of prayer followers of Jesus pray because he will help. And listen, years-long patterns, years-long habits will be changed. I promise you, if you will ask Jesus to help you, he will change you. You will find that you're in a conversation with How about those uh, raiders? Or so you'll, you'll talk about something else, okay? You're ready to talk negatively, but you'll just stop yourself. And you won't do that. Or even better, you'll say something firming or positive, encouraging about them. Okay, third, nurture love for and submission to God's word. Okay, if speaking evil of others dishonors God's word, then the more you honor and love and submit to God's word, the, the less you will be able to speak evil of others. See how that works? So nurture love for the scriptures. Nurture submission to the scriptures. It's impossible, it's actually impossible to love God's word and submit to God's word and at the same time speak evil of someone else. You cannot do both. So love God's word. Submit to God's word. Nurture that. Fourth, Keep on your knees before the cross. Take time every day, every day. Just confess specific sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. Just bring it to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. Wash me, cleanse me once more. And just confess your general sinfulness. Lord, I'm, just, I'm a sinful man. I'm saved, but there's indwelling sin here. Forgive me. So, so confess that. And just let that remind you of who you are in and of yourself. Let that humble you. Okay, you've been saved, yes, gloriously. Leap for joy, saved. You have been saved, but, but you're a sinner who's been saved. You're a saved sinner. And so the more you see that, the less you'll speak evil of others. Like I said before, it's impossible. It is impossible to genuinely kneel at the foot of the cross as a forgiven sinner and at the same time to speak evil of someone else. You cannot do it. So kneel at the foot of the cross Regularly, be before Jesus. And then fifth, focus on speaking well of others. So don't just you know, try not to speak evil. Focus on speaking well of, of other people. Cultivate a habit of speaking well. So get your heart full of Jesus. Be before the cross. Love God's word. Cherish God's word. Okay? And then just encourage your kids. Just tell them you love them. Find that things are doing well. Okay? All right? Um... Love your wife. Speak encouraging, upbuilding, affirming, loving, gracious words to your wife, to your, to your husband, to those in your home group, to just everywhere you go. Just nurture a, a delight in speaking well. Now, you're not making stuff up. Okay, you're not flattering. But just make it, make it a habit, a, a passion of speaking well of people around you. That's what James is saying. So what, what questions does that raise? So the question is, is he just talking about how we talk about believers or two believers? And he uses the word brothers there in verse 11, right? Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. He repeats it in the next line, the one who speaks against a brother. So he is talking about how we talk to believers. Okay, yes. But I don't think that's like fair game in how you talk about unbelievers, okay? Because there's other passages that tell us not to. 
Proverbs are full of it. First Peter is full of it. We should speak respectful about the governing authorities. Speak honorably about people in general. Romans 12, you'll see that in general. So I think we should do the same thing with people who aren't believers. Unless you can think of a major reason why that would be wrong. I can't think of any reason not to. But keep those three exceptions in mind, right? I don't see any distinction there. I I mean, I'm with you. It's like uh, there's no difference there in my mind. Is there? I mean, I don't see any scripture that says it's okay to call somebody's action idiotic, but not the person. I I just don't see that in scripture anywhere. So so I'm feeling it with you. It's like uh, that's about the same thing. So, okay, so you've, you've done it, and now what do you do? To make, to, can you make up for it? Can you go to the person? I'll just throw out some thoughts, and you all can help us out here, too. I mean, I, I would, I'm sure you've done this. I would ask the Lord first, you know, what, what, what do you want me to do? There's no scriptural principle, I think, that applies in every situation that I can think of. So we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, okay, I'm sorry. What, what can I do here? And it may mean going to the person saying, in fact, if you said something directly to a person, I think it probably would be good to go and, and apologize and just say, I'm sorry. You know, If you said something to someone else about that person, I'm not sure you need to go to the person and say, I said this to somebody else. You can ask the Lord about that, but you can go to the person and say, I shouldn't have said that. Okay, I think that might be, might be appropriate and helpful. Bottom line is, I would just take it to the Lord Jesus and say, what do you want me to do? I, mean, I, I want, I want to make, make amends here as best I can. Yeah, so just to reiterate what you said, the first thing we do is we go talk to the person directly, privately, confidentially, and seek to, to restore them. Okay, and, and then we would bring others in after that. Okay, is there any prerequisite for the warning? It's a judgment call. There's a continuum of, of, of dangers, and so there's no black and white rule, I don't think. It's just a matter of praying before the Lord. I mean, at what point is somebody... At, at what point is somebody teaching something that is so false that you now need to start publicly bringing it up? Okay, well, that, there's gradients of that, for example. So I can't think of any hard and fast rule for that. But just to throw out that that is an exception, that that is a valid time when you may need to spot, talk to somebody else about, about somebody else's shortcomings. And without having gone to the person, too, maybe a public figure that you need to warn people about. It's right there in Matthew 5. Yeah, so go to the person and apologize. Thanks, man. Okay, so here's my encouragement. I mean, we all need to work on this. Okay, Jimmy said in the last 24 hours, we all can relate to that, right? I'm sorry, do you? Okay. So we all need to work on this. I need to work on this, okay? And you need to work on this too. And so here's Jesus, and he's got nail-pierced hands. He's, he's holding his arms open, and he's saying, now you come to me as you are. I will cleanse you. I will change you. See, don't think, okay, so if I'm going to, I've got to go and just work on this and then I'll be able to come to Jesus. The first step is always to come to Jesus, come to the cross, come for forgiveness, come to see who he is afresh, come to be loved and accepted, embraced by him afresh, come to see who he promises to be to you afresh and who he is as you're trusting him, your heart will be changing. And then you, you will find that your conversational patterns will change. So it's not willpower, it's not you go and try to be good, it's bring who you are as you are to Jesus Christ. His arms are open wide, he will forgive, he will cleanse, he will help. You'll be changed if you'll come to him. So let's stand together and, and come to him. Dave, you got a song you want to lead us in? If you do. I'll just pray. I'll pray while you're doing that. Lord, I, I pray. Lord, I, you know me. I need help in this. We all do, Jesus. We want to follow you. 
Lord, I was just thinking earlier this morning, one of the ways we'll show your reality to lost people is, is if they can come in and see a group of people where they don't rag on each other. And there's no, there's no you know, backbiting and there's no gossip behind people's backs. There's just, it's love and it's humility and it's care. And Jesus, we want our love for each other to show who you are to people. So help us, Lord. Help us with this. Thank you that you will forgive us because of your death on the cross as we repent and trust you. Thank you that you will change us as we earnestly ask you. So bring your power upon us right now. I praise you, Jesus, that by your power, we all can be changed in this area. Christian life is not about how much willpower we can muster up, but it's about your power changing us. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that you will change us in this area as we bring it to you and as we ask you and as we trust you. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that we can be completely forgiven for this morning's conversations, yesterday's gossip or slander. Completely forgiven now because of you. And thank you, Lord, for the promise of change, that you can and will change us as we bring these things before you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.